Hey everybody, welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. In this episode, Dan, Adrian, and I talk about hugging the cactus. Yes, it's prickly. Yes, it hurts. It's very uncomfortable, but it's so necessary. I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. Let's go. We are rolling. We are live. Welcome, everybody, to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. I'm here with Dan Takini and Adrian Kaler. Today, today we are talking about, uh, you know, hugging some cacti. <laughs> hug the cactus. Hug that cacti. And nowadays, there's a lot of cacti to hug. That's right. Yeah. There is a, as we are recording this, there is a lot of cacti out there waiting for us to hug. We wanted to jump on. This is a very timely conversation. Actually had this conversation in mind uh, before all of the stories that are dominating the news and, and society right now in the United States. Um, but so applicable. So, you know, even as we were setting up the conversation, gentlemen, I, I said to you, hey, here was our topic for today. Should we forego and actually like get in touch with, with what's going on? Uh, and both of you so wisely told me, no, this is this is exactly the conversation that is happening and is needed at this moment in time. Yeah. And so, uh, so grateful that for that insight, so grateful that we're having this at this moment because, man, the stakes are high. Um, and uh, and everything that's happening in the world is making its way onto teams. We're already. Yeah. We're already talking with clients, our, our clients, Take New Grounds clients, who are founders and leaders and leading teams through these times. And that, you know, these conversations are finding their way into the workplace. And, yeah. and, and the resounding uh, questions have been, how do we have these conversations? How do we interact with these conversations? And that's what this entire podcast episode is going to be about is, Embracing the uncomfortable. Mm. The things that that poke you, the things that disturb you, the things that challenge your points of view, the, the things that destabilize the way you think it ought to be. That's right. And, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways when we sense that there's something that are de that's destabilizing, there's a lot of ways that we avoid those conversations. Uh, and you know, we were just before we hit record, before we went live, we were talking about some of the ways that some of these founders are avoiding these conversations and that can show up so many different ways. And I want to talk about that, but let's first, let's talk about like, what does it mean to hug the cactus? When we talk about hugging the cactus, what are we, what are we referencing? What are we inviting in people into? Well, the, the term actually is derived from one of the a desert father tradition in the uh, in the Christian faith, and it means to was used by the desert fathers were these mystics that walked around the desert, you know, and um, had these very powerful kind of uh, spiritual principles. They were all about governing the your internal life, and one of the things was to hug the cactus, which means to look at those dark sides of your own life in a way that you can bring them in close, that you can understand them, that you become 
uh, you don't reject them because it's part of who you are. It's part of your process, part of who you are becoming in the world is this side of you that you're wrestling with that you don't like and that can be dangerous to your health or, you know, the, the, just basically you resist. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to come to terms with that, to come to get to know it so that you can have it more than it has you. Because if I resist it, then it's going to become the greater part of me, right? I, if it becomes, if it's something I don't want to touch, I don't want other people to see, I don't want to see, it'll find an expression. There's an old saying that says, what you resist persists. So it's like, it's like riding your bike, you know, and you're going down the road and, and you know, the, the, when you ride your bike, you're supposed to look to where you want to go. So if you're riding on a cliff, you look over the cliff, you'll tend to, the bike will go over the cliff, or you see a pole, you go, I'm not going to hit that pole. I'm not going to hit that pole. You keep looking at the pole, and bam, you hit the pole. That's resisting what, you know, resisting what you don't want to see, or resisting the cactus, if you will. So yeah, that's what we're getting at when we talk about that. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, and this, this concept of I mean, looking into what I don't want to see is a big part. I mean, these, 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 these conversations come up a ton in our work just because usually the resource is in the, you know, what is that, that quote, like the treasures in the cave you don't want to enter. Um, and go into the cave you don't want to go into. That's yeah. Well, and you know, most, most of the pain on a team is in the conversation they don't want to have. Right. It, it, it is the, in the avoidance of the conversation. That's where the pain is the resistance to the conversation. That's what the pain is all what I'm doing, what I'm thinking about instead of solutions usually I'm thinking about what's wrong with me, what's wrong with it, what's wrong with them, instead of thinking about how do I be with the situation in a way that's going to work. That's what leads, I know this just for myself, that's what leads towards the, the frustration, quote unquote. You know, when I'm frustrated, I don't want what's happening. And now I'm going to, you know, resist what's happening actively by judging it, by avoiding it, by blaming somebody else for it. And that's where that's where the hug. The, I mean, I'm or thinking about like, it. Yeah, shaming it. Yeah, like you said. Yeah. 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 So we're not just hugging. I mean, for me, I'm not just hugging cactuses for the sake of it. I'm actually hugging cactus for the purpose in it, right? Because there's there is there's some. Anytime I'm stuck, there's something I'm not willing to do. There's some conversation I'm not willing to have. Anytime I'm frustrated, there's something that's happening either in me in the world around me, on the team, in culture, or in somebody else, there's something that I'm judging instead of being with. So I mean, part of this is obviously, I mean, as we are having this conversation June 4th, there are conversations in culture that are, you know, very all over the place. I mean, lots of, lots of interests going on. And you know, I can notice how I am in those conversations in a different place on different days and with different voices and different opinions. I have different responses to and sometimes reactions to sometimes agreement with. There's like there's lots of all over the place happens on teams. Yeah, I think um, I was telling both of you before we started hitting record or before we hit record, there's there was a long conversation that happened before this conversation. So there's so much yeah. set up, but I think it's valuable as I, yeah. you know, as I was uh, talking to you and, and expressing some of my concerns of feeling or sounding tone deaf to what's going on or making up about 
making up the way this conversation has to look given the context of what's going on with uh, George Floyd, police, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, all of that kind of stuff is like, I, I was making up that this, this conversation had to look a certain way in order for us to not come off as tone deaf. But what I was trying to do that I'm now realizing is I was trying to manufacture the outcome of this conversation. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, the old imposter syndrome. Who do I have to be to get by? Right. That's right. But what I'm now realizing is I was doing the exact thing that we're talking about right now is that I was wanting to <laughs> I was not wanting I was resisting hugging the cactus of what this conversation is and I mean, how I was going to look, how I was going to look in it to other people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that comes up for, I think that comes up for me every time the race conversation comes up is who am I supposed to be here? Right. I don't want to come off as a racist. I don't want to come off as prejudiced or discriminating. Right. Rather than gosh, what is going on here? Um, what can I learn from this? What do I think about this? If I was prejudiced or discriminatory in any way, would I want to find out? Right? Can I listen? What are the ideas that I can listen to? And what are the ones that I resist? And what's the resistance about? What can I learn about my own internal relationship to others who are different than me, different backgrounds, different races, different colors, that I might not even be aware of? Right. And that's one of the values of this dialogue and the discomfort in it to me. Yeah. Uh, it's just to be in that. And well, this, yeah. This is timely. I mean, we're doing this live for those of the, you that are listening to this as a podcast, uh, but we're also broadcasting this live to Facebook. And uh, Casey just, Casey Crown just commented, you're all good. Uh, and where are the people of color and women? And I'm assuming I can only make some assumptions about what's being said here, but I'm assuming they're asking us in real time. Yeah. Where are the people of color and women in our conversation today, right now? Or, or on the podcast. Or on the podcast. Or on the podcast. It, I, I don't know if they're, a, I, I'm willing to guess they're probably, and she can, they can clarify if they want to. Uh, in the comments, and I'm I'm happy to entertain. I'm I'm willing to bet they're probably not a regular listener of the podcast. I, I think the majority of our guests, when we have guests, have been women, yeah. but that's not a justification. And I, I think this is just a fun thing to to play with right now. Yeah, yeah, they're not here yeah. right now. There's no women on this podcast, and there's and we're people of color. We're white. And, but there are no there are no blacks on this podcast right now, although black people do listen to it. <laughs> and I'm open to having black people on. I don't have a problem with that, but I, I can see you could make a lot up about three white guys on a podcast. Yeah. yeah. And this is a conversation, I think, too, that's happening amongst teams right now, yeah. too, right? And leaders and founders are thinking, what, how how am I operating in this conversation? And this is uncomfortable. How do I embrace this conversation around the demographics of my team? Yeah. Well, we, we, we talk about, I think about it a lot and we talk about it a lot in the coaching context and the training context with teams we're working with, which is, and we all, we'll point out this, this thing, which is what is the conversation about the conversation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what we're talking about right now. Right. So there's a conversation about, 
I mean, if we're talking about specifically in this day and age, this moment in time, there's a conversation about race and justice and reform and all these very important, meaningful, impactful conversations on millions of people's lives. And that there are, these are all very worthy, important conversations to have. Yeah. Now, that's the conversation. Now, but all of us are in a conversation about the conversation. Like, what's my part in it? What do, and then, like, your all your wonderings are that, right? Like, yeah, what I, do I learn here? Who, you know, who? What am I here? Like, what's going what's on for me? Coming in my head, saying about all this. That's right. You know, and even with the comment, which is great, by the way, Casey. Thanks for the comment. It's like, oh well, what? Hold on. You know, this, and now we're having a conversation. Like, uh, this is how we do. This is this is what the the Naked Leadership Podcast is. When we don't have a guest on, the three of us are talking. Is that a problem? Is that should we have on some kind of guest to do some kind of social commentary? That's an interesting question to have. Um, you know, those are all conversations about the conversation. That if we don't get attuned to those, then we think those are the conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we got connected to what we're making up about what's there before we can even even authentically get there. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea of, and this is an action step for those of you who are founders and leading a team. This is an action step for you to take right now journal. What am I making up? Like what, how does the conversation look for me? What conversation am I running in my head about the conversation that needs to be had with my people? And, yeah. and what does what I'm making up open up or close down? Yeah. So, you know, how does the world have to look before you're willing to listen? That's the question I ask myself. It's a great how question. How does the world have to look for you, Dan, before you're willing to engage? I think that's probably, you know, the word prejudice is to prejudge. So I create an idea of how the world is supposed to look and people either fit into it or they don't. And I have a lot of assumptions around how I arrive at that, that I'm a lot, most I'm not aware of. So when somebody poses a question that causes me to look at something I haven't considered, then I could go, okay, let's look at that. What does it mean? What does it mean to me? What have I made up about it? Is that really going on for me? Is it not like, you know, the thing about the cactus is the way you find out the cactus is you don't want to engage what's being brought to you rather than you want to run from it. You want to shun it or you want to make it wrong versus just to listen to it. It's somebody else's point of view. Like the paradox or the tension is you have a point of view of your own and there are other points of view. There are other perspectives. And the tension is between holding your point of view and considering in an open and reflective way other points of view. That's what learning's about. And, and by doing that, we can find the truth. Because if you don't have a point of view, you have nothing to contrast the other points of view against. Right. Then you're just, then you're just wishy-washy. I'm this here today. I'm this, it's the open door syndrome. The last guy who's in my office, that's what I tend to do. Who talks to me, who had an opinion. But if I have an opinion, I can listen to on a perspective, you know, all of that and gather from other perspectives to open up a greater understanding of what's going on around me. And that, that's a huge, like, you know, to shut down, I can shut the conversation down if I don't see what I want 
or I don't, I could shut it down in my head. And then, you know, I'm stuck where I've always been. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I love that question. How does the world need to look before I'm open? And, you know, this is coming up for me and even it has come up in a handful of conversations with founders this week. And for them, it's shown up. I, I think the tension for them is that um, as a founder, as a leader, there are lots of things you, you have control over, right? You can move tons of knobs and move the organization forward. You can make this happen, not make this happen. Um, there are lots of things you don't have power over, like what other people are thinking, like how other people respond, how they react, how the team connects or disconnects. Like you don't have power over that. You can't manipulate, you can't you know, control that. Um, you can definitely influence it, which is a worthy exploration about how might I influence that of which I do not have control over. But I think there was my experience, even just the conversation this week, there is there. I think there's a tendency if we don't have control, we don't want to touch it. So, you say control. What do you mean? I mean, I'm not able to write the script. Oh, OK. Kind of like what Ed was talking about, like, how is this supposed to look right now? How yeah. do we have the right, quote unquote, the right podcast? Yeah. What he's what he's wondering about is what's the right script? How do we get to the results that we want? And then what what do people need to say? And I'm adding words, Chad, to what you were thinking. I'm I'm channeling some internal conversations I've had with key with founders this week about some conflict they've had on their team. And um, they've come into it trying to calm it down. Right. Let's not have a problem instead of engage it and say, hey, looks like we have a problem. What's the problem? We look. Yeah, it looks like you guys are all fired up. Can we talk about this instead of fight about this? I mean, we might need to fight about it, but probably we ought to talk about it, like express about it, like listen about it instead of coming in to solve yeah. it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do. I listen a lot to the intellectual dark web, you know, the. You know, I was listening to uh, Hersi Ali, Ayan Hersi Ali, which is she's a a black activist woman, uh, powerful speaker. But one of the things she said really, really affected me. She said, the content of the conversation is not as important as how we have the conversation. Hmm. Because you know, she's obviously very familiar with much, you know, I'm not black. I don't have the, I'm not familiar with those tensions. She is. And her point is, if we could just, if we can hear each other, we can find each other. And if we can find each other, then we can work together. And, and, and the biggest, I think she names it. So the biggest problem is somebody cuts, truncates the conversation off when it gets uncomfortable. And yeah. the, and the, and her point was the discomfort is not because of the conversation, but because of what the other person's interpreting about the conversation, right? Yeah. Like, like the minute you take it into your identity, the minute it, it becomes an accusation rather than an exploration. You're probably going to want to defend, and that, and then you're shut down. You go into automatic, and you lose each other. And it's about defending your position. So, yeah. I thought it would be yeah. very helpful. Yeah. Um Casey offered some follow-up to her question. Um, oh, great. I think it's valuable to look at it since we uh, addressed her first question. 
And then sure. I don't want to make the entire episode as this is going to go out and hopefully be a timeless piece, uh, make the whole episode a back and forth. But um, this is, I think these conversations, these same exact conversations are coming up with our founders and our clients right now. And I think there's value in it. Um, Casey made some clarifications. It seems like an odd time to have this particular panel. I trust Chad and have heard Adrian. You're all good. Great. Even. And this seems weird. The day of Mr. Floyd's memorial about, about to start. Um, and then she followed up and said, hundreds of years of systematic racism is the priority in the United States today. That's what I would want this to address. Well, there are, guys, mind if I? Yeah, go ahead. Take the first swing. Thanks, by the way, Casey. Appreciate the dialogue about it. Absolutely. There are, I mean, uh, and I hear, I hear that. And I mean, there are, I mean, there are lots of things I'm listening to that are about that are about those the issues that 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 they're, we're facing right now. There are lots of things I'm listening to. I'm going to be on a webinar in the morning to hear that context, watching the news on and off throughout the day, and connecting to what's happening. So that's true. So those concerns are also true for me. Um, and what I'm, I mean, at, at least so part of my response as well is I'm also committed to what I'm committed to. So I'm committed to listening and being in that conversation, and I'm committed to having a conversation that serves founders. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I, you know, I'm committed to the listeners here that are actually here to probably be connected at some level to what's happening in the the world, and also they're responsible for a team that's busy working. And how do we involve, engage, evolve as a team? Be use this moment to be more connected. So for me, it's like a what I what what I want to notice in myself. And Casey, I'm not prescribing this to you. I know you can decide whatever you want to decide. But I want to notice in myself, where are the either or didactic views of life? Like either it's this or it's that. Uh, I notice that thinking a lot for me. And I think that in times of crisis, people, you're either this or you're either that. You're either this or that. You're either uh, racist or anti. You're either that, 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 that. You know, it's like we could put things in categories, which makes the world simpler which makes the world easier to engage in our own minds, which makes things cleaner and clearer, makes the sinners and the saints, puts the people in those categories. And that's what I, that's what my experience is when I get didactic like that. Uh, I'm going to fight for, I'm always committed to fighting for when I'm aware of it. I'm not always aware of it, but what I want to fight for is the both ends. So how do we do both? Um, so it doesn't occur to me to be maybe what you're not saying is like disrespectful to be having this conversation while that's going on. It doesn't occur to me that it's disrespectful. Um, if, if and I'm making up that that's what you were thinking. Um, so I'm here for my purpose as well. And I can be in those conversations and be in this one. So that's my first response is, is, is for me, there's room for both. And I would get it if there aren't room for both for you, then that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I found that when, you know, what, I found that these issues, like you said, Adrian, for me, they're quite complex and usually, um, you know, usually breaking down the complexity is where we find the greater level of freedom. And that's something that this show is not designed to break down the complexity, for instance, of systematic racism. Or, yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole series. We've been at that for long. We'll stay at that for the next, somebody right. said that you know, for the next hundred years. Definitely a worthy topic, which I do a lot of reading on and that yeah. kind of stuff. And I'm contemplating and for God's sake, we work in the prison system. So 
this is something of concern to all of us. Uh, yeah, but I'm pretty much what you said. I think just breaking it down for our clients and for the people in, in, that we serve, just kind of making awareness of, you know, hey, look, this is something that can't, it's got to go. If you do, if you try to you go tone deaf on this, you're not willing to address this. It will yeah. address you. It will come to the table. In fact, yeah. I really like, we have a client, I have a client, a mutual client with Adrian and, uh, First thing he did is get on and just basically make a statement to the whole organization that we are anti-racist, right? We are out to stop discrimination and segregation and any type of racism like that. We want you to know it's safe here, right? It made sense to me. Yeah. Um, and was able to, it was kind of a, saying, hey, look, we're open to this conversation. We're yeah. going to do something about it when it rises up. We're yeah. not. We're not shying away from it. We want you to know that's what we're about and yeah. making that kind of invitation opens up it's like puts everybody at ease really because nobody if i mean if it doesn't put you at ease you're in trouble i mean that you're you probably don't want to be there because you know it's not going to work for you yeah but um and, and that's the way a learning organization works but if, if the idea is to chunk it down and if you can't get down into the distinctions and into specifics and you stay at the higher level, you're going to end up polarizing for sure. Yeah. I was just thinking about a conversation happening in our kitchen last night, which I think these are conversations that are happening in our boardroom. They're happening in our senior leadership. I mean, there's no boardroom now. On the Zoom boardroom and in the Zoom senior leadership team meetings, and they're happening in your kitchen as you're making dinner and wondering about how to be in the conversation. And, you know, the what hits me, uh, even they came up in this conversation, and thanks again, Casey, for the engagement, is you know, uh, I guess my strong invitation would be this. Uh, there's temptation to be at the 30,000 foot view conversation and you ought to be in it. Um, but what I, I'm really drawn towards and you, nobody listening to this has to agree with me, that I say we work from the inside out. Yeah. So to be in that conversation and not to be the one inside your own team, to be the one on the one inside your own family, to be with the conversation inside your own heart or gut or mind, whatever. Um, I want to do both, you know, so that, which is the conversation we're talking about in, in, um, in the kitchen last night about like, there's tons of these issues, tons of the global conversation, the nationwide conversation. And as a, you know, I'm dating partnered with a woman that's still involved in running her own organization. Right. And so she, she's dealing with and loving, and evolving how they're how they are um, engaging with their own people right and learning and okay oh this was missing let's do this and you know it's been actually very even and hurt like she got to have a conversation yesterday with somebody on her team in a brand new way that she hadn't had in a long time because of this right because of them solving uh being connected to their people in new ways honoring their people in new ways things that have come up out of this which i think the example you were saying is as a leader, if you take a stand for, hey, as a clarity moment, here's where we stand. And you know what? This might have been invisible to us before. It might have been unspoken to us before. Now it's time to see it and time to speak to it. Now, in that new lens, what else is coming up in culture that I have, as a leader, I have been, I have been blind to? What else is here? Because there might be concerns that have been under the table now that can be on the table. Yeah, it was interesting because when talking to our client, 
his concern was, I want people to be safe, feel safe, know that they can talk about this, but also I want to get on with business. I want to create a way for people to talk about these things and not um, interrupt what we're doing because we're on, because after COVID and we're on, we're dancing on very tight wire and we want to be around and we want to have an environment that people want to contribute in. So the idea was to create an environment where people could talk as well as, and then work, right? Like, so when this is up for you, let's have a conversation. And so that when you go back to work, you can you know that you've been listened to and that while people don't have to agree with everything and, and, and I, that with you, that you know that you're being heard and your voice is being heard, right? But what's really interesting is you brought something up which is internal. Um, the conversation only goes as far as my willingness to listen. And yeah. my willingness to listen yeah. is completely dependent upon what I'm making up. Yeah. And when I find myself getting defensive, the idea is I think it's going on outside of me. And so I need to defend or attack something outside of me. That's the part that I think is worth listening to. Because no matter what your perspective is, if you can't hear another person's perspective, hear it. Let's say it's just a radically ridiculous perspective. The ability to hear it indicates that you're, you're, you're it's like Martin Luther King's thing was, it was civil disobedience, civil, right? Peaceful, you know, and he was able to, it's pretty remarkable what he was able to do without firing a shot. But you think about the incredible internal discipline it would take to do that in the face of the kind of prejudice that he was facing, right? And the attack. It, that's a, that to me is remarkable. I mean, Mahatma Gandhi, same way. Of course, King went to, to Gandhi to learn of his folks, what it means to have, you know, a peaceful, nonviolent resistance. Tough stuff, man. And, and, wow. and, and okay. Yeah. Yeah. Internal- good. No, good. Oh, it's good, man. I was just going to um, give an example of it because I, I think, and just to reiterate what you were saying, right? So that if 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 I'm feeling disconnected or judgmental or put off or whatever, and I and because of what somebody said, all the disconnection, judgment, and being put off is happening in me, not there. Yes. Right. And, and then I want to attack them for how stupid they are, how belligerent they are how prejudiced they are, bigotry right. they are, whatever. Right. Now, I, I wanted just to reframe it because I, I think that's really powerful. And most, I mean, that is usually the perspective most people don't want to entertain because they'd rather have feelings that someone else created for them. Um, or they'd rather see that that's that way. Um, what we're offering based on the neuroscience is something else, is that I'm creating the meaning of what's happening out there. That's right. And I mean, even you, you did this beautifully yesterday, Dan, you asked me in the morning, hey, can we have 15 minutes together to talk about something? And you started the conversation saying, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about. I know I'm making up, making it up. I know that I'm here and there and da, da, da. And I wanted to talk to you about it. Around and, this issue. Around this issue. Around right. This, right. Around this and, and wondering where I was, because you knew that there was something that I had said, posted that based on what you were quote unquote making up about it may gave you concern, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you wanted to talk about that instead of internalize it. 
Yes. Right. You want to explore that instead of internalize it. And I knew I was making it up, but I thought and I, I kept making it up. So I go, I better just confess. And talk. Yeah, it was there for you. Right. And my, my first point is this. What makes someone willing to go explore? Right. What is the compelling notion that makes you willing to go explore? Because I know I've heard conversations with leaders I'm working with. They want to just ah, I'll just want to have, won't talk about it. It'll pass. I hate that. And what I want to at least hold out is like, if I'm feeling off and, and, and it's something somebody else said that I'm having trouble with and I'm going to wait, I think that's feedback about how much the relationship doesn't matter to you. Well, that's yeah, well, set up a time, right? Like, well, what's a good time? And no, there is no good time. Well, what is right. And, and I'm going to point out that that you wanted to talk to me because this relationship and our synergy together and our connection together and really our future together yeah. is based on our willingness to find alignment over time. And we've got distinctions. We see things lots of different ways, right? That won't yeah. change. Yeah, like we, right. You know, we have distinctions around some political ideas, have distinctions around I mean, a handful of things, yeah. um, which is not a problem as long as for us, at least for me, am I willing to let you be you? You're willing to let me be me. And then we find a way to integrate yeah. these things. And they're not, they aren't a threat to each other. They're actually a way to synergize together. Um, my point is because of because your care and concern about the future and the person, you're willing to go have a conversation to explore what you're making up. Yes. And my thing was mostly about, it was really interesting because when we got off, I thought, good, I got that. Hand. I, I was just wondering, are you still, given where you've landed, where I thought, where I made up, you landed. Are you open still to a conversation, or is this, you know, are you going to drive this point? And that's all I was concerned with. It didn't matter. It wasn't about the points. It was more about are you are you open? Because there's so much detail. There's so much distinction that I'm hearing that I wonder are you willing to explore those? Because the more distinctive we get, the deeper we get, the, the closer we get to each other, even if we have different points of view. And so. Right. You know, can we hold the conversation? That's that's why I really love watching guys like Sam Harris and uh, you know Ayan Hirsi Ali and the, the whole you know Jordan Peterson. All the, they're so different from different backgrounds, but one thing they have in common is their willingness to listen and converse and bring disparate ideas together to see what they can learn from each other. And if there's anything needed today, in my personal opinion. It's that it's the willingness to come together so that our differences can catalyze and, you know, generate something beautiful, something orderly and beautiful, right? Bring order to the chaos and release beauty. And that, that's really my, my whole point in this thing is how can we hear each other? Will we hear each other? We can. The question is, will we? Yeah. Yeah. We, one thing that I want to put a pin in, Adrian, that you mentioned is commitment. And, uh, you know, this is this time of hugging the cactus and embracing the the uncomfortable is the time to come back to what your commitment is, you know, and, and even going, I'm just seeing it so beautifully in this real time scenario right now. Uh, I didn't know it was the day that uh, Mr. Floyd's memorial was. I, I just didn't know that. And I, I, that's that's a reflection of kind of what I've shut off over the last 24 hours or 48 hours for uh, whatever, whatever function there is there. Um, but, um, 
you know, our commitment was to come out regardless of the circumstances. Our commitment is to the founders who listen to this podcast and are in, uh, in some uncomfortable conversations right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we could get very lost in how we might look, uh, which I think is very applicable to these founders, right? That are, they're worried about how they might look going into this conversation. We, we, we can't control how we will look, yep. but we can control what we're committed to. Yeah. And, you know, I'll state my commitment. I can't state it for you two, even though we have come to an agreement of what our commitment is on this podcast. But again, today I commit to come to this conversation, giving everything I possibly can to founders to, to be with their people in a meaningful way. Yeah. And we have founders that listen to this podcast that are male, female, black, white, Asian, you know, of all races, all, and they're all dealing with this. In different ways. In different ways, regardless of what my skin color or my my gender is. Yeah. And and so I can't let that get in the way of what my commitment is to the people that we're that we're committed to help and be with. Yeah. Um, and I'm just seeing that that's such a great parallel for founders and for leaders. What is your commitment to your people? Yeah, when, yeah, when you hear commitment, when I hear commitment, one of the words that comes up distinctly is perseverance. Right, the, the willingness to stay the course despite considerable uh, obstacles yeah. and challenges. That my commitment to you, my commitment to what we're committed, what we're collectively committed to, is worthy of my perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my willingness to experiment. Right. At the same time. Yeah. Both. I'm going to persevere, and at the same time when necessary, try new things in new ways. Yeah. Like, like that tension again, it's never either or in my, in, when it comes to these kinds of things in my book, it's, it's like, there's a tension we're navigating everywhere. I mean, in, in everything there's tensions because there's just never one way. There's so many, and that's the beautiful thing about diversity is there's so many different ways to skin the cat. And, you know, the more we can hear, the more we learn for our, for our own abilities, for our own, our own legacy, the more we can bring into our own lives and those we love. I mean, the word that keeps coming up for me is complexity. And um, this is a very complex moment. And these issues, whatever the issues are outside of this moment in time, whatever the issues are on the team, um, the things we're not talking about, those are usually complex. And, and there are, I mean, part of the power, I think, of perseverance, um, is willingness to put language to what's happening is even even starting off a conversation saying hey this is really complex and i don't even know what to say that's a perfect way to start a conversation yeah like, i don't know I guess, hey i'm gonna step on some landmines here so please i know hey i you know and there are things we ought to talk about i don't know what they are i don't know how to get to them I know I'm cautious about it, or I don't want there to be a bunch of problems. I, you know, I assume I've got a lot, a lot to learn here. You know, like just putting language to the tensions is a way to start the conversation. You know, and that, that that's a way to like help the room be grounded, and it's also a way to set the vision for the conversation. Like, hey, we can either be 
disconnected in the complexity or more connected in the complexity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a vision statement. Hey, I, I like us to get closer during this time, not to do what most people are doing, which is to be more polarized at this time. And the way to do that is I was just, I was, I was doing 20 minutes this morning with my six year old boy around how to make something right with someone. Um, and when you hurt somebody's feelings that you don't know that you have. And, you know, at the end I'm talking, I just said, you know, pride breaks relationships, humility builds them. That's, that was the, can I plant that seed in you, son? Pride breaks relationships, humility builds them. So like, even if you don't understand, go want to understand, wonder what it's like for them, be honest about what it is for you. You know, that's humility. Listen from a humble place and don't be there to sell, to, you know, protect yourself, be there to expose yourself, be there to reveal, be there to share, be there to, hey, this is what's going on for me. Because there are, there, there are arenas of leadership life that we're really clear about and certain about, and there are re arenas of leadership life that we're less certain about, and we like being certain over being uncertain, most people. Especially in a leadership position. Exactly. You know, so, and I think you know, when a leader has come to me saying, hey, I don't know what to do about this, but here's where I know I am, uh, you know, and that level of openness is ironically what builds trust, not breaks yeah. it. It's so counterintuitive. Counterintuitive, yeah. So you don't need to know everything to actually win in this time, to bring people together. I mean, what I, a phrase that, that came up in a conversation with a client this week that it always is like loud alarm bells in my head uh, is like the it seemed like a win when she was saying that the team agreed to disagree. And I, I, I have a strong opposition that that's a victory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you we know, we're all we, very similar clause there at this stage. Yeah. So let's not agree to disagree. Let's agree to to be on our way to honoring each other and listening. You know, let's not, I mean, why disagree? Why settle for that is what I would yeah. say. Why, well, why, why agreement, disagreement? Why, why stay at that? That's such a category. Like, what category? It's an appropriate category for certain things. But it really, what about connecting and loving each other? And uh, I would say in, in that sentiment, Agreeing or disagreeing is the only uh, acceptable outcome. Right. 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 There's only two acceptable outcomes to this. Right. We either have to agree or disagree. Yeah. Half the stuff I disagree with, I if I stopped disagreeing, I could learn something from. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I'm disagreeing, but while I'm disagreeing, if I'm disagreeing, I'm finding why it's not why it's wrong versus gathering evidence. And I wonder what else is going on here. I, I, I see I disagree, but I wonder what I'm missing in the conversation. What are they what are they trying to tell me through what I, I'm caught up in? And and is that really what they mean, what I think they mean? And and what else could they be meaning? And what else are they trying to maybe they're not even aware of what they're trying to say and they're saying this to get to what it is. They need the space to you know who knows? Yeah. They need the space to process and I could be a help for that rather than a hindrance, a hand in the face. Yeah. Yeah. It's a powerful, it's a, yeah, it's so powerful. I mean, I think that's the gift. That's one, one of the gifts of, 
any anytime there's chaos is it really it it first off is 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 usually clarifying um and then it's an opportunity to really exercise some new muscles yeah yeah, yeah right. that's right, right. Like collaborate versus compromise great great distinction thanks yeah Dave. yeah yeah i, I, I wanted to double click on something you said adrian because it's i think it's so um well you said it counterintuitive that this idea that um, when we claim what we don't know and we step into curiosity with people, even yeah. when we think we disagree, that that's what builds trust. And I, I just want to, can we spend a minute on that? Maybe even an example or, or some, some insight to that, because I do think, uh, I mean, that was my resistance to getting into this conversation. Like that was kind of the core is like, I didn't want to, I, I, it was unknown to me and I had some judgments around us three white dudes jumping onto a podcast at this moment. Uh, how's that going to look all that kind of stuff. But like, how does that create trust to sit in that honestly with your people? Um, when, you know, most of us make up that that's what's going to diminish it. You know, I, I have a, there was a training I did in prison. I think you might have been there, Adrian, with Mark. Was Mark? Yep. Mark with him? Yeah. And um, so, you know, when I go into a prison to do a training, 90% of the training is black. And their question is, why, why am I going to listen to you? Right? My, I'm a white guy. But that's easily translated, trans, you know, like, I, I know that's coming. I know it's going to be there. It makes sense it's there. I understand, you know, a lot of what's behind it. And I don't resist it because I don't see myself as my color. I see myself as a, as my commitment. And so, but I do understand other people could see me as my race. And I get it, not a problem. Um, so the more I can embrace them and whatever they have to say, the bigger difference it makes. And in this conversation, we were in the beginning of a training and we're setting up the ground rules. And there's a guy in the training room that I was told he's one, probably the most influential guy in the prison. And that if this guy really gets value, these trainings will go throughout the prison. If he doesn't, we'll, we'll lose the black population. We'll lose most of the population, but particularly the black population, the Bloods and Crips and so on. And it got to a point in this training where this guy stood up to challenge one of the ground rules I'd asked them to agree to, which is be on time. And now in history, when people stand up to challenge the ground rules, just generally, they're just trying to get a special case for themselves, right? Now, I don't know that that's what he's doing. And I, I catch myself going there. And I go, wait, I don't know that's what he's doing. I wonder why he's so intent on this. Now, this is a conversation that went on for over an hour in front of the room. Him and me. In the room are 60 other people, 90% black. In the back are some of the prison personnel, including the warden. So, so he gets to the point, and, and, and basically he says, I, in good conscience, I cannot agree to this ground rule because there's a certain aspect of the, of the ground rule I don't have any control over, or at least the control I have over and I'm not willing to exercise because of the price. Now, this, we were both feeling each other out. And like I was feeling him out to see if he was just playing me. He was feeling me out to see if I was just going to use him as a trophy or a tool to get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And, and we both sensed afterwards we were talking, we both talked about how we sensed, you know, we're like had our sensors out and the room was tense. And and I was just all I went to all ears because I sensed the tension in the room. Uh, I could see that I was going to a preconceived idea that may not be true. And I could see he was authentic. He was I could see he was trying to really understand why I'd asked him to do something that he didn't feel was like the price behind it was much bigger than the reward that was there possible. And what came out of it was really interesting. After an hour of a lot of questions and, and he in goodwill answered my questions and I in goodwill answered his questions and they were they were they kept getting more and more distinct about and it, and it came out it became it came out to be known that he said look I could agree to this but if I do I have this red ducat a red ducat is that means he's he's supposed to go to the doctor and if you miss it it can increase your time because they have the doctors come out for only a specific amount of time and he didn't want to add any more time and he didn't and he didn't want to be set up to add time because if they called him he's going and he wanted me to know that he wouldn't agree to the agreement unless that was part of it. And I'm thinking, well, that's a good point, right? Normally I, I would not do that. And the warden was right there and I go, I just said, hey, well, the warden's right here. Do you have a request? And he looked right at the warden. He said, if I get called for this ducat and I'm in this training, is it okay if I don't make the ducat? And the warden said, yes. And it worked out well, right? But what was interesting is if we didn't take the time to listen to each other an hour, you could think, and the rest of the room, you know, the other rest of the room's got these same questions, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're wondering about it. Then I would have never got down to the point where we could discover where, what we could do to resolve the issue. Yeah. And all of the other conversations, race, privilege, all the different things that go on, were in the conversation and got talked about in a way that we could hear each other and contextualize it for that moment. Yeah. So that that's so it's like we don't know what's there. See, I think a lot of times we don't get into the conversation because we're afraid we're not going to get to where we want to go versus having the confidence that if I show up in the conversation, I'm going to find out what's really there and know what to do that what what's going to bring life. Like because like, it could be, it could mean that I need to get away from this person. It could have meant that that Mark left the room or took everybody with him. And who knew, depended on what they discovered in the inquiry, right? And I think that's that takes courage, and it takes confidence in your own point of view and your commitment, your stand for what yeah. you want to have in the world. And I think if I'm clear about my stand, I'm going to be much more courageous in my listening. I'm and, sure. I'm sure everybody else in that room not only wanted to see the see the, the the solution to the problem or the or where you got to they also wanted to see dan how you showed up in the conversation right probably more importantly yeah they wanted to know how's this guy going to show up yeah you know, and as a leader as a founder and, and or ceo whatever position you're in in leadership your people are watching to see how you're going to show up in these types of conversations. Yeah. And that's, Adrian, that's what I heard when you said showing up this way builds trust. Yeah. That shows your people that they can trust that you're going to hang in the conversation with them in free yeah. fall. Yeah. 
I mean, this is when a lot of people say the phrase, I don't know, as a leader, um, that's usually not even true. There's a lot we don't know, but there's a lot we do know. And most people don't slow down and make the distinction. And I'm, I'll tie your story, Dan, to what we're talking about with founders. Because there were things, there were convictions of yours that you knew you were committed to, Clear. The, yeah. the integrity of the room, the integrity of your stand. The only way, I mean, you were clear about what was going to work from Mark for you. You know, it's like he needed to show up in a certain way to actually be even in, it doesn't matter. You got all the power in the prison. Great. See you later. Get out of here. If he wasn't willing to be in the room in a specific way. Right. If he wasn't willing to be open and, and yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, and it wasn't like a, you have to, it's like a, Hey, I'm clear. So you want to play ball. This is on, you know, it's so more respect. like you don't want to be here. Look, man, this is what we're going to be doing. I promise. But if yeah. you don't want to do that, you don't, don't commit, don't compromise yeah. yourself. And, and, and so there's this both and that's happening simultaneously, right? So there's, there's clarity for you around some certain things and then a ton of openness. And like, um, you're going to explore what's not clear, the gray in the relationship, the things that are left to be figured out, the finding him, the finding you. How are you staying gonna... connected to what's at stake. Staying connected, like how I stand with this man, whether he stays or goes, is going to, it's communicating something to everybody else in the room and the institution about who we are, that's for right. people and the institution. Right. And I, so I'm thinking about, you know, the stand that a leader gets to take right now. And I think it's, it's, there's so much uncertainty, even when you're talking about these cultural issues going on, but you can talk about something happening on the mission and something happening in the breakdown of the product team or whatever, something very specific. But the, I think the, the, one of the takeaways here is like, there are lots of things that we don't know, but there are so many things we still do know, meaning, you can step into the conversation saying, hey, there's a big breakdown right now, or there's there are factions happening, there's politics happening, there's upset happening. So I don't know what all those things are. I want to get to know those. Here's what I do know. Here's what I'm committed to as a leader. I'm committed to us engaging each other in an honest way, being rigorously open and transparent. I mean, being transparent ourselves, being open to the feedback that's happening. I'm committed to us working together as, as a team being effective, um, even if that means in this conversation, we're gonna be quote unquote less efficient. We're gonna take some time and explore it. It won't happen fast. We're willing for it to go slow for the sake of the connection on the back end. Those are what I know. Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting because a lot of leaders gaslight their people. I'm too tired, I'm stretched too thin. I can't afford this conversation. It's going nowhere. It will go nowhere. Why engage it? I'll wait till I'm ready. It just yeah. keeps coming up. Yeah. It's a good thing. So the conversation never gets had. Yeah. But it does get had. Yeah. It gets had because people show up late. Don't, don't communicate. One of the, here's some of the symptoms. They don't bring bad news when it needs to be brought because they don't get, they're going to be listened to, or they feel like it's going to be used against them because they're not sure who they're standing with because they've been gaslighted on the most uncomfortable issues. Now, can an organization still operate? can be extremely successful, but yeah. internally it's going to be like a, a powder keg. It's going to be yeah. extremely stressed, not just for the leader. It's going to be stressful for the leader, but for everybody around them, they're always finding ways to dial down, to work around, to not offend. 
And so the real issues don't fully get revealed. And so the solutions aren't as powerful as they could be because the realities aren't as well understood as they need to be to produce more powerful outcomes. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's just a principle. Yeah. And, and what, way, good. what, what an archetype for what's happening right now socially in right. the United States. This is a conversation that has been going on, but, but, but people have been both people on both sides have been gaslighted around it and we've made every excuse not to have it. Well, it's and, the other and then something happens and the conversation explodes into an into an unhelpful. Yeah, it's, it's if the other side is so evil that you're on, you know, you've made them so evil that yeah. you can't find common ground, then the polarization is not going to end because yeah. to think that the other side is going to go, oh, we're really bad because they're not listening to us. <laughs> they're they're going to just get more polarized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just need to work. It's like it's just a microcosm. Yeah, you know what? You know, I um, I posted to my stories. I don't know, two days ago or whatever, a clip from this guy that I've always really enjoyed uh, for multiple reasons. Um, uh, this guy named T.D. Jakes, which is like nobody knows who this guy is. You you might not know. I mean, people that are listening might have no idea uh, who T.D. Jakes is. He is one of the most influential black pastors in America, probably influential black pastors in American history. Um, and I love him for lots of reasons. I love a good entertain. I mean, his way of speaking is very so entertaining. entertaining, very entertaining, very I mean, brilliant. And as far as like engaging with a crowd, I don't know who's better than TD Jakes. So anyway, what he posted, which I thought was strategic, um, was I think probably from his archives. But he, he posted this this talk that he gave around the insanity. Uh, I won't do too long on it because it might be way out for people, but the insanity of what Jesus did the night before he was killed and in uh, insanity being like they had the quote unquote last supper and those that aren't religious school, you've probably seen the painting, the, 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 the painting of the last supper. Anyway, there's lots of interesting getting together. It's yeah. He got, he got his homeboys together and said, Hey, tomorrow I'm going to die. Let me tell you the most important things before I go. Essentially. Now here's the, here's, here's the point is that he already knew that one of the guys, and this, this name has gone down in history because of this story. One of the guys betrayed him already. One of his guys he's been with for three years already betrayed him, sold him out to the Romans for 30 pieces of silver. His name is Judas. That's why we don't call the people Judas. Treasure. The treasure. He's the treasure. The money man the takes the money, sells out the boss for the sake of the money. Now, here's here's T.D. Jakes' point, which I think is just worth listening to um, for lots of reasons, is that Let's say let's just say this thing's a narrative and not even a historical fact. I don't care what you believe about it. But let's just say this thing's just a narrative and to listen to it. If it's true, the guy that's the boss already knows he's been betrayed. There's a moment in the story where this boss, as a as a um as a symbol of service, takes a moment before they eat and goes through and washes everybody's feet, which is a ceremony that usually the servants did, right? Like the doorman did. But now this guy, who's the boss of these 12 people, decided that he would do it the night before he died. I'm going to wash everybody's feet. And he washed the feet of the guy that he already knew had betrayed him. I think that's pretty powerful. Well, and, you know, and why the guy betrayed him wasn't really just for the money. It was because he thought the man, the boss, was too soft on the issue. And he, did that, and he believed in a harder – he was a zealot. He didn't want – he wanted more change faster 
and did not like the pro the, the path that the boss was taking. Yeah. Think about that. That's very today, right? How yeah. often does that come up? How do you deal with it? Well, I think the lack of resistance to it brings it into the open. So That's you right. can begin to make decisions that are going to make, they're going to be powerful. Yeah. Right. So how do we, I mean, I think why I brought it up is like, cause I think to your point earlier, Dan, like to serve people that really disagree with us, as a leader, I, I would say that's your calling. It's like your job is to get the conversations to the table, even the folks that um, that you know, um, you know, don't you, you don't agree with. Even 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 the people that I mean, if you want to keep them hired, I guess this is the idea. I mean, if you want them to be on the team, don't resist their opinions. Get their opinions on the table so you can play with it, right? So you can talk to them about it. So you can be with them and their opinions and don't resist their opinions. Well, and and there's a very interesting dynamic in here because a lot of leaders go, well, I don't want to entertain that stuff because it's very distracting and I'm not going to be doing anything about their opinion. Yeah. Well, you know what? I had this discussion with a leader just yesterday. I said, well, that's, that's one way of looking at it. Are you aware of uh, what's called, it's called, do you know how to create trust is what I asked him. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, by listening to an opposing opinion, by hearing a no, by hearing a dissent, you actually create trust. Even if you don't, if you say I'm not going, that's not going to work for me to do anything about that. I hear your point of view. This is the way we're going to go, and I'm willing to listen to more. But this is what I've chosen. If you've really listened to them and they get you've heard them, you'll be amazed at how much. And and he came back and called me last night and said, Yeah, you're right on. They were, they were great. And I, after they, I heard them. They and I said, No, we're not doing that. We're going this way. I hear what you're saying. I've thought about that. Here's what I've thought about that. Here's what I'm doing. You may not agree with it. I'm asking you to get on board. They said, okay. They got on board. No problem. But you can bet there's trust. And it's like the same thing if you're a salesperson. If you can hear no, then you're going to create trust with your client and you're going to learn more about them. Yeah. And I think in, in when, when we, what's been lost, and again, I want to say the intellectual dark web, web these guys are on it. What's been lost is the ability to argue well, to have differing opinions and to learn from them. It, it, the, the art of holding that kind of conversation is so needed now, which means you're willing to unplug, right? I, you know, unplug from your need to have your view of the world be the right view and learn from other points of view. Still doesn't mean you give up that view, but you're going to suspend it to learn and use it to have iron sharpen iron to, to deepen the conversation in very yeah. specific ways. Yeah. Well, that gets back to, um, at least there's a point in here that I want to make. Uh, it seems sensitive to me. I don't know if it'll be sensitive to others, um, but I'll, I'll make it this way that, you know, that's I keep going back to what's the vision for the conversation and your point, Dan points out the purpose of the conversation, right? So these guys that, that, are, have very different views and they're hyper intellectual, brilliant guys can argue the 25 different viewpoints about the same issue because they've they've spent their time thinking about it. And it seems like their point is to have the most rigorous and righteous conversation about it. How do we have the most upright, rigorous conversation about the issues that reveal the issues in a way that we can honor? The way honor they live for each person, right, in the conversation. Yeah. And, and I might say I strongly disagree with that, but I say it in a way that honors what they're where they're at but it's like look no i don't get that that's not for me this is what's true for me and 
I hear that. I'm not trying to persuade them or take them off their point of view. Yeah. And here's here's the sensitive point that um, I mean, as a leader, your your one of your, one of your many callings is to tend to the culture. Right. Yeah. You are there to tend to it, to steward the you know vitality of the culture. And sometimes, you know, you need to be able to debate or fight or have things look bad, have the tough conversations in order for the good conversations to come. Um, but I'm thinking about there might be, you know, I'm thinking about this moment in time when there are on, on no matter where it comes from, if there are people that want to debate the issues for the sake of being right or for the sake of causing strife or for the sake of causing or getting their own way. I mean, they might in their own way, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. I'm just reminding folks, you don't, I mean, part of the leader's job is to help whomever, wherever their, their conversation is to understand the container that their conversation is in. Meaning, you know, you gotta like, re, like you want to hear people, but there's also, Hey, there's a way we want to hear each other for the sake of the mission and for the sake of the team. There's an, there's timing. There's an appropriate time to have the conversation. Yeah. And even just, you know, especially when, when I'm elevated, I, I tend to not think about the purpose of the conversation. Yeah, me neither. When I'm elevated, I want to get relief. And part of that is to say it. Um, you know, and I think during this time, there can be, or even during any times of breakdown, there are times where people just want to broadcast without considering the impact. Mm -hmm. And without actually, without really considering how to most honor their concerns. Because if I am just broadcasting my agenda i'm actually probably be i'm probably betraying my agenda if i'm just broadcasting my agenda i'm probably betraying my agenda because if i really care about what i care about i will actually want to say it in a way that it's approachable to others and to see if it got what got in what what did the other person receive what well, meaning did they assign to what i just said and is that the meaning i intended to provoke right like that that's a yeah, when you get elevated, you move so fast, that all disappears. Yeah. You, you end up thinking that you're there to say something instead of really give up getting something done. You, you give up the team. You give up the collaboration if you're only frank and not diplomatic. Yeah. Um, and I know when I'm, when I'm frustrated or hurt or feel misunderstood or feel like this righteous, this self-righteous, uh, when I feel like the victim, I go to self-righteous right away. Most victims do. When I feel like I've been mistreated, it's time for me to come out and I'm justified in however I come out. And or, or shame comes up, right? Like if I get yeah. exposed, then what happens is I'll get contemptuous. Yeah. Right. Like if you if you open up something I didn't see that might be missing in my point of view, rather than embrace that cactus, I may yeah. get contemptuous to push you away from the exposure. That yeah. your question or statement or insight might have brought up. Yeah. By the way, I was really that was really. I just want to thank Kaylee again for those, Kaylee Brown. Those those were really great questions. Great great way to get the thing started, man. Just yeah. yeah. Real but life. Casey. Casey's her name. Go to her, Casey. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is this is a full circle moment for me in this conversation because towards the beginning of the conversation we started talking about um what is our what's our commitment to our team and if our commitment is to either agree or disagree 
on our teams, if that's the reason you're building a team, and I would say it's probably the the former is is your a lot of leaders are building a team to agree with them. Yeah. And that is going to, I, I would venture to say that's going to be a recipe for destruction every single time. It's fragile. It's fragile. It's fragile. And, and what is the strength of a team if everybody agrees? Right. And, and to be aligned, it doesn't mean you agree. I can be aligned with right or up to and not agree with the way we're going about it, but go do it that way because that's the way the team or the leader or we've decided to, and then go from there, work from there. And, and that's maturity there is the ability to disagree, but align. Unless of course there's some moral issue in there. That's a whole nother issue, but rarely that's right. the case. Mostly, mostly it's a, I mean, if it, there's a moral issue issue, then you become a whistleblower. Right. Yep. And yeah, my, my thing is, you know, as we wrap this conversation up is what if we're building teams to connect rather than agree Yeah, to connect with something bigger than any one of us? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, gentlemen, awesome. I loved it. It was everything I thought it would be. And more. And more. (laughs) Thank God for Casey, man. Is, and Casey's, Casey dates uh, Igor, right? Is that Igor's girlfriend? Different Casey. Uh, very, <laughs> very different Casey. Different Casey. Uh, I don't know. I'm old, man. That's okay. <laughs> you probably couldn't see the picture that came up. I didn't see it. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Well, Casey, I think, I think she knows you, right, Chad? Yeah. yeah. God yeah. bless her, man. That was great. I'm just. That's great. Thanks. Thanks well, for speaking out. We have a woman on the show. It's Casey. This is great. That's right. Awesome. All right, gentlemen. Love you both. Thank you for Thanks coming. For the conversation. Today. Thanks. Ciao. All right, thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. Also, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing this podcast with the people in your life that are looking for a new way to lead and to relate to others. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.